Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. I want to continue in our series just looking at the early church and I want to talk about something that set them apart but also sets us apart today and what that is I want to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit I want to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this is a Pentecostal church and so we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit we believe in the day of Pentecost and that's what set us apart and that still happens today. And so there's four things that we're going to look at as we walk through this today. Um, This morning, I have a lot of information for you. And so if you have never taken notes before, I want to encourage you to maybe take some notes this morning. Because if you don't, you will not know what I said probably mid-afternoon. We just have a lot of points and some scriptures to go through. These are points in scriptures that I would encourage you this afternoon, this week, to revisit, go over again. Um, some of you know, well, most of you know that we live stream, and so you can go to YouTube and watch our services. But one of the things I think because of live stream has kind of fallen through the cracks is we still have our podcast. So you don't have to be watching a video to follow up on what we've taught on a Sunday morning. You can subscribe to uh, wherever you get your podcast, and you subscribe to our podcast, and you'll get that uh, by probably Monday morning, and you can listen to it again as you're preparing for your small groups and stuff like that. And so that's an easy way to stay connected with us as well. Before we jump into it, why don't we just take a moment and pray? Father, I thank you for the privilege and honor to come and worship you, to celebrate who you are, to remind ourselves who you are. And so, Lord, this morning, as we turn to your scriptures, I pray, Lord, that you will open up our ears and our hearts to hear from you, Holy Spirit. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you hide me behind the cross and let my words be your words. Speak through me today. Let every one of us leave here encouraged and challenged today, all at the same time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to the Holy Spirit is the first thing is I want to talk to you about the promise of the baptism. The promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is something that was promised to us, and it was first promised to us through prophecy, Through prophecy is how we first hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's actually recorded in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28. And this is what Peter recites on the day of Pentecost as well. And so he is quoting Joel. And it says this in Joel 2, verse 28 to 29. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Do you know that all people means you? Do you realize that that includes you? All people. So if you're sitting here this morning and you say, Chad, by definition of what you believe, of the evidence of speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't include me, I would say, yet. Doesn't include you yet. I believe that's in every one of us, and it's a promise of God. It's a gift from God. So it's not something you have to strive to earn or run after or try to fight to get. It is a gift that I actually believe if you are saved is already in you. The sons and daughters, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. See, men, you're supposed to take naps. 
Your young men will see visions. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You know what I love about this prophecy? God doesn't discriminate between age and gender. God doesn't discriminate between your age and your gender. He pours out his spirit on everyone. Every one of you. It was through prophecy. And then this promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And we see that in Acts 2, 1 to 4. It says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Understand something where it says a blowing wind, a violent wind. If you want the Holy Spirit to move in such a sweet little gentle way that it doesn't stretch you, that's not even what scripture says. And I've had people say to me, well, Chad, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He would never force himself upon you. And I thought that. And then I had a mentor say to me, well, you tell Saul that on the road to Damascus. Just want to stretch your thought process this morning. When the Holy Spirit moves, he moves the way that he wants to. Not the way you want him to, not the way I want him to, not the way you're comfortable with him moving, not the way I'm comfortable with him moving. He moves the way he wants to because he is God. So here's the thing. Let's clarify something. If you're first time visiting or you're just new with us, that is not me saying we want chaos. I don't believe God is a God of chaos. But can we reference something? Let's continue to read, and I'll reference this as we go. First off, it's a violent wind from heaven that filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seems to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each, each of them. I don't even know how to explain that. I don't know how to explain that. So here's what you're going to have to understand. There's going to be times where the Spirit moves that you're not going to be able to explain what's going on. And here's what I believe. I don't believe he's a God of chaos, but my comfort zone, your comfort zone, should not be the limit for the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. If you say to me, well, Chad, every time he moves, we should be able to find that example in Scripture. I kind of agree a little bit. But let me just challenge you on something. When the Spirit moved on the day of Pentecost, there was no reference for that. We have it because they wrote it down. Do you think because Luke recorded it that that means now the Holy Spirit is confined to the words of Luke? See, I know it's going to get quiet there because you're like, wait a minute. So how do we figure out what's God or not? That's where later we're going to find out that there's gifts. One of them is discerning of spirits. We have to discern what is Holy Spirit, what is not. With the asterisk attached to that, that your comfort zone and my comfort zone should not limit the move of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to hear. I had a mentor, he's with the Lord now, and he said this, and he actually shared it here. I told him afterwards, I'm going to steal that line, and we're going to use it for the rest of my life. And here's what I believe with the Holy Spirit. 
You should keep it simple. Just keep it simple. Keep it sane. And keep it supernatural. Now here's the confusing part when we talk about a God of order. How many of you drive in the country right now? You're driving around to see what used to be beautiful leaves. Now they're all brown and dead and on the ground. But if you drive along, the only trees that have leaves on them, which technically aren't leaves because they're needles. Anybody drive by a whole bunch of trees that are in a perfectly straight line, just like these chairs, perfectly straight, right? You drive by, you see all these trees planted perfectly straight. Anybody? Only me? I'm the only one that sees tree farms. Every one of you has a hand. If you have seen a tree farm, I just want you to raise your hand for a moment. There we go. That's all right. Praise the Lord. We are a Pentecostal church. You can raise your hand in the house of the Lord. And confessing that you have seen trees is not something that you will go to hell for. I promise. (laughs) How do you know whether men planted it or it's a forest? Straight lines. Right When I drive by and I see perfectly straight lines where I can look and you can ride a four-wheeler or a dirt bike right down the middle and not get hit, you know that man planted that. That is what men see as order. How do you know when it's natural and God created it? There is no order to it at all. You need a machete, you need a chainsaw, you need something to get through most of it. If all of, all of a sudden you find a path, you know that there has been animals or somebody else making that path. So, what does a God of order look like? It's different than what you and I envision. Now, hear my heart. Simple, sane, supernatural my heart is not chaos but when we begin to see how god works and how men work it's two different things don't let your comfort box in holy spirit if you're like chad i just wish holy spirit moved more in my life but you put him in a box well he wouldn't move that way your brain now you think you think better than the holy spirit i know there's a lot of things there Let him move. Be at peace. Ask Holy Spirit if it's him, even if it's uncomfortable. Because on the day of Pentecost, it was uncomfortable. All of them, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The promise of the baptism also, the promise in, was fulfilled in Acts 2, 4. These 120 people prayed for 10 days in the upper room, claiming the promise of Joel. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet, I just want you to know, the apostles, the one who walked with Jesus, they had to pray for 10 days. Many people believe, many Theologians, there was more than 120, just so you're aware, after Jesus died. But the day of Pentecost, there's only 120 left. 
They were the ones who were hungry enough and patient enough. I wonder what they're doing for 120 days. How did they pray? What happened? See, what you have to realize with the promise, as we read already in Acts, that it was for all people. We see this in Acts 2, verse 38 and 39. It says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Here's the difficult part with this verse. It's not the baptism part. It's the first, first word in the verse. Repent. Repent and be baptized. If you're here and you're like, Chad, I just haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fullness that you're talking about, I would start with that word. Repent. Repent actually means turn away. It's not just asking for forgiveness. It's actually repenting and turning. See, we like to talk about in church today, ask for forgiveness. A lot of times we don't like to use the word repent. I believe that many times when the word repent comes up, it also should come with confess. We've lost the power in the scriptures where it says confess to one another. There's accountability in that. Now, not only is there accountability, there is strength in that. Do you know that I've never had somebody confess a sin to me and my response be, you dirty sinner? (laughs) Do you know I've never done that? I honestly don't think the person beside you, if you confessed a sin to them, would respond to you, how dare you? There's freedom in it. We've talked about this. The enemy likes to lie to you. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's doing this. Go ahead. Everybody's doing it. And the moment you do it, he's immediately, his response is, no one's doing this. Don't tell anybody. There's freedom in it. We've lost it. We've lost it. If we repent and be baptized again, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. Do you notice there in that last verse 39? The promise, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children. Okay, so if you want to get to some where some people believe this isn't for us today, so you go, okay, this is written to the early church. And for all who are far off. Far off does not mean travel distance, just to be clear. You and your children and the far off great-grandchildren, great-great-great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-grandchildren. I'm not going to go 2,000 years on that one, just so you know. But it means it's for us. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Yes. 
The other thing we need to learn is the particulars of the baptism. What about the baptism? First off, it's for Christians. See, in Acts 8, verse 16, it says, Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them, they had simply been baptized. In the name of the Lord Jesus, when Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. See, here's what you have to understand. These believers, and we're going to talk about it a little bit uh, later as well, these believers were already born again. They were saved, but had not received the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them to wait for this experience. He told the disciples to wait. What you have to understand is, as Peter and John laid their hands on them, they said... These had not yet come to them. They had not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I need you to see this so that you understand there's two experiences they're talking about. There is salvation where the Spirit of God comes in you. Yes. Then there is a second experience where you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't question salvation. Hear me. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He is in you. You are saved. We're talking about a second experience. I just want to open your mind for a minute. If you're like, well, I don't know if I believe there's a second experience. What if? See, you're already saved. If you've accepted Jesus, you are saved. But what if there's more? What if this crazy Pentecostal isn't crazy? What if there's more? See, there's a completeness. See, all Christians are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. but I believe none of them have the fullness of it until they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Well, Chad, I've never spoken in tongues before. Today could be your day. Today could be your day. See, I believe we overcomplicate speaking in tongues. I believe we overcomplicate it and we make this super mysterious thing because we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or or we used to talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When we talk about those words, when we use spirit, when we use ghost, we make it sound so mysterious when it's a gift that God wants you to have. God's not a God of hide and seek. Scripture says, when you seek him, you will find him. I always relate it to playing hide and seek with a two-year-old. Where are you? Right here. (laughs) See, what you have to understand is this happens again. Paul in Acts 19, he's walking along the road and he comes and meets some disciples in Acts 19, 1 to 6. And he talks to them and realizes he calls them disciples. They were saved. They had repented. Because he actually says, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. 
I need everybody to hear me on this. If you're here and you're like, well, I haven't spoken in tongues before, I don't question your salvation. I know, Chad, you said it. I'm going to say it multiple times because I need you to hear me that I don't question it. But I want you to understand there's more. There's more. See, and there's consistency through this. We read in Acts 15 that after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. That's what let the apostles know that it was for the Gentiles. It wasn't that they prayed a prayer of salvation. What convinced them was they began to speak in tongues. It's what sets us apart. So now let's talk about the purpose of the baptism. The purpose of the baptism. So let me be very clear. I don't believe the purpose of the baptism is to speak in tongues. I believe it's the evidence of the baptism. The purpose we find in Luke 24, it's called the power. It's the power that comes with it. See, the disciples were commissioned to carry on the work of God, and they needed the Spirit's power to accomplish this. Luke 24, verse 49, it says this, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Power from on high. The purpose was the power that came with it. And the power came so that they could preach and share the gospel. Acts 1.8. Jesus shares this before he leaves. I don't know about you. But if somebody is going to tell me something as they both to leave for the, if you're sitting beside, I realize as I use this example, Jesus didn't die. But if you're sitting beside somebody's deathbed and they're about to share something with you, you're paying attention because what they're about to tell you is highly important. Jesus is about to leave. It's the last thing he's going to say to them one-on-one, face-to-face. And he says this, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not to be gained for selfish reasons. It's to be used for the glory of God. It empowers you. It equips you. It equips me. It empowers me to share the gospel, to be God's witnesses. That's why you need it is for the boldness that comes with it. So we talk about the purpose, that there's power in preaching. And now I actually just want to talk about the power of the baptism, the power of the baptism. It's a witnessing power. As we just read in Acts 1.8, it's a witnessing power that changed Peter as scripture tells us, from a reed to a rock that would bend and flow all over the place to a point where he stood and was a witness for God. 
You need to remember before the baptism, Peter is the one that denied Jesus three times. Three times. When Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. I hope that I'm smart enough that if I denied Jesus twice and he told me I was going to do it three times, I would go hide. Just so I wouldn't do it a third time. And then Peter makes things right with Jesus and he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he becomes a powerhouse that shares and witnesses for him. And the first time that Peter gets up and shares on the day of Pentecost, thousands come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. Peter journeyed with Jesus for three years. And what he needed at the end was the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself, it's better for me to go so that you will receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, 31 says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Acts 2, 41 says this, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Imagine what Holy Spirit can do. Peter, the guy who cut off a soldier's ear, the guy who denied Jesus three times, shares once and 3,000. Well, Chad, I don't think God wants to use me that way. I'm not one to speak in front of people. Can I tell you something? I don't believe any of the disciples in their right minds were like, you know who should be our spokesperson? Peter. (laughs) Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And shared the word boldly. See, there's working power that comes with the Holy Spirit. There are so many working gifts that God gives through the Holy Spirit. There's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's faith, there's healing, there's miraculous powers, there's prophecy, there's discerning spirits, there's speaking in different kinds of tongues, there's interpretation of tongues, there's the apostles, there's prophets, there's teachers, there's miracles, healing, helping, and guidance. There's so many gifts. Now let's understand something as we look at these spiritual gifts for a moment. One of them, as you read through in 1 Corinthians 12, you read about speaking in different kinds of tongues. I want you to understand that that spiritual gift is different than the personal gift of tongues. 
The speaking in different kinds of tongues can be different ways. One of that is publicly in a, in a service where there's an interpretation. The other one is where God has blessed people, where it's a missionary or things like that, where have gone to somewhere to share the gospel, and all of a sudden they learn the language quickly. They begin to speak in other tongues, other languages. But then there is still a separate one that we're talking about today, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of tongues is the private gift of tongues that we share one-on-one with the Holy Spirit. That's why you'll read in Scripture, when you don't know what to pray, your spirit will groan for you. See, if I asked you right now, if you had a need, and I said to you, okay, let's take 20 minutes and pray for that need, most of you would be like me, and probably within, if we're honest, 20 seconds, we go... I don't know what else to say. Some of you might be two minutes. And then you're like, I feel like I'm repeating. I don't know what to say. That's where the spirit takes over. That's where when you come against that mountain, you come against that giant and you're praying and all of a sudden you're like, ah, man, I, I read in the scriptures where they do this for a really long time, but I'm just like, I don't know what to do. That's where the spirit takes over and he begins to intercede. He begins to pray for you. Now, hear me. When I say he begins to pray for you, you are actually speaking the words. The Holy Spirit does not take control of you like a puppet. That's why scripture also tells us that the spirit is in submission to the prophet. What does that mean? That means if you have a prophetic word that you believe God is giving you to share, that means if you believe that you have a tongue that you want to speak out in the service, you don't have to. That's why when you feel God prompting you throughout life, prompting you to pray with somebody in the grocery store, prompting you to tell somebody about Jesus, whether it's your neighbor or family member, and you don't do it, Later, you might regret it. You might be like, oh, did I miss something? I hope you feel that way. That's not a guilt thing. It's what prods us to actually do it. That's why you don't have to. Because the spirit is in submission to you. That's why I believe some of you who like have the gifts of the, uh, the, gifts of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, but you don't speak in tongues, I believe that you've received it, you just won't speak it. I believe you hear utterances in your head, but because they sound like utterances, you won't speak it because you're nervous of how silly you will sound. I don't think I've heard anybody speak in tongues that made me go, that was really elegant. I haven't. That's not knocking anybody who speaks in tongues, but have you ever heard somebody speak in tongues where you're like, ooh, that was beautiful sounding? It sounds like to us gibberish. That's why Jesus says, or Paul writes in scriptures, you should prophesy so the people that are walking in don't think you're crazy. I'm paraphrasing scripture. But that's why in a public setting, 
if there's tongues that are a public tongue, there has to be an interpretation. That's why. But I believe that when the Spirit, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive utterances in your head that you are supposed to speak out yourself. And you don't have to. I can speak out in tongues right now. I can pray in tongues right now. But I don't have to. Do you know what's all I can do? I can pray in tongues in my head. Then it sounds really gibberish. But I can't. That means when you're at the checkout line looking for courage to pray for the cashier that you know you're supposed to pray for, you could pray in tongues in your head. So she's actually or he's actually willing to listen to you because you don't sound nuts coming up. Here's what I want you to understand. If you weren't born and raised in this and you're like, Chad, as you're talking about this, as I've heard it happen in Bethel, I kind of trust you. It feels right in the room. But man, that, that stuff sounds weird to me. I want to tell you, if you don't understand it, you haven't grown up in it, and you're just starting to learn about it, I just want to just let you know, it's weird. <laughs> understand me. For all those that believe in it, who've grown up in it, who speak in tongues, and I'm trying to encourage people to receive it today, and you're like, well, Chad, you just said it's weird. Let's be honest, people. I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Honda. <laughs> is weird. If you don't understand what's going on. This is why on the day of Pentecost, everybody around was like, they're drunk. I don't know what's going on, but this is not okay. And then all of a sudden this happened. But you know what? I actually hear them in my own language. Maybe this has something to do with this Jesus guy. And then Peter gets up and explains it. And people are open to it. And 3,000 people get saved. We got to a point in a Pentecostal church where we thought Holy Spirit would scare people when he moves. But do you know that the Holy Spirit loves the unsaved more than you do? So he will never do something that will scare them. But he will show his power because if you think our world isn't looking for supernatural power, then you have not seen anything that Hollywood is producing at all. Well, Chad, how do you relate it to Hollywood? Hollywood knows what society wants. That's why every movie they produce, and they produce how many superhero movies? People want to see something supernatural. This is why you see so many movies that if you watch in a preview and you're like, why is this so demonic? Because the world wants to see spiritual things. And they're showing them spiritual stuff that they understand. And the church is going, well, we don't want to scare them. People are searching for this. People are desiring for it. They're paying thousands of dollars 
If you watch on a weekend when a movie is released, they're paying millions of dollars to see it. Well, Chad, we shouldn't use it to draw people in. It's not a, it's not a trick. It's not a show to bring them in. I fully agree. But do you know in scripture how often it says that Jesus did miracles and cities, villages, emptied out to go and see what he was doing. And then you know what he did? He told them about God. If all we do is tongues, interpretation, gifts. Remember this, Paul says this. You can do all of this stuff. You can speak in tongues. You can do miracles. You can do whatever gift of the spirit you want. But if you don't have love, you have nothing. The answer to your neighbor, your loved one, coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ is not you speaking in tongues. There's power to give you boldness to do that. But if you don't love them, See, you can prophesy over your neighbor, but if you're a jerk doing it, you're just a jerk. Again, paraphrasing scripture. I could call you a a sounding gong. Is that better? Because that's actual interpretation. I don't know. I almost feel like jerk is better than a sounding gong. We need to love. We need to have the power of the spirit. There's a worshiping power. See Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it rhymes off the gifts of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is um, just left me, it's forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. This is how we worship God. This is how we show that we are different. Because of how we respond in situations. And then the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was also a warning power. Mark 16, verse 20. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs, by the signs that accompanied it. It's a warning word of how the enemy works. It's a powerful word by leading people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Prayer team, if you're in the room, will you come to the front and stand across the front? Here's what I want to do this morning. Normally, I pray over you and dismiss you. I will do that. But I want to end this Sunday with actually an altar call where I ask you to come and receive prayer. Here's what I want you to come and receive prayer for. You can come for anything you need. We always do that. But I want you to come for the baptismal Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Here's something that I instruct our prayer team. And prayer team, this is just a reminder. As you pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I remind you not to pray in tongues. Here's why, for everybody listening. Because, as I said, the enemy has come to lie right? He's going to lie to you. He wants to steal this from you. And you need to remember, he wants to kill and destroy you. So here's why I ask them not to pray in tongues while they're praying for you. So later today, when you receive the gift of speaking in tongues today, because I believe you're going to, later today, 
I take away the lie of the enemy that says this to you. You just repeated what they said. Well, Chad, how do you know he's going to say that? Well, because he said it to me, and I know so many people. Well, I think I, I think I received it, but I think I just repeated what Harlan was, when he prayed over me. I think I just repeated what he said. Oh, that's simple. Harlan, just stop praying in tongues. Now you didn't repeat anything. Just taken away a lie. That's it. Here's the other things. I'm going to explain to you what I believe, how you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. First off, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I believe the Holy Spirit is already in you. Okay? That's where we say we don't question, the, we don't question salvation. But there's more. There's a power. There's a power that comes. Okay? So if you are open to receive the Holy Spirit today, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you to come, receive prayer. They're going to lay hands on you, which you read in Scripture. This is what the apostles did. They laid hands on people to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then what's going to happen is this. I'm going to ask everybody that comes for prayer. I want you to hold your arms open. Please don't do this because when you're trying to receive a gift, you don't really get a good gift this way, right? Right? There's a little bit of posture. Well, Chad, you think the way I'm sitting makes a difference? I don't know, but this doesn't look too open to me. And if I was going to say, hey, I got a gift for you, most of you immediately do this. And depending on what you're anticipating, you could do this. And then here's what's going to happen. As you pray, and as they pray for you, there's going to be a moment where you hear an utterance in your head. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to sound weird. Here's why. If you've ever heard a child say daddy or mommy for the very first time, okay? If you're the husband and your wife says, oh, they called me mama today, listen, listen, listen. And then the baby makes a sound. And mom goes, see, they called me mom. And the dad's like, I thought she burped. <laughs> but to mom, she heard mama. And then dads, when they call you dad for the first time, you're like, come listen, come listen. Pretty sure that was a hiccup. No, they called me daddy. I believe when you speak the utterance out for the very first time, your heavenly father is in heaven and he's tapping Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you hear that? Call me Abba. Call me daddy. Call me father. And then just as you've watched your kids or your grandkids or your nieces and your nephews learn to communicate and grow in their vocabulary. That's what happens with the gift of tongues. Well, Chad, I've heard stories where people wake up in the middle of the night just going off in tongues. I've heard the same. Experience this way more. Can it happen that way? Absolutely. If that's what happened to you, praise God. Seen this happen way more. Because see, when I tell you those stories and say, this is how you receive it, that's when we go, well, that's never happened to me. But wait a minute. I hear some words 
in my head, some sounds that sound a little bit weird. I've actually heard that before. When I've prayed to receive tongues before, I've actually heard those things that you're talking about. You mean I just had to speak that out? Yeah. Chad, it's not that simple. I actually believe it is. Because it's a gift that God has given you. And he wants you to have it because he wants to have an intimate language with you. And so this morning, I believe if you've never received, or let's expand this for a moment, actually, just as I'm, maybe you've received years ago. And as I talked about some of the lies, you're like, actually, maybe I believe those lies because I believe I experienced it once, but then I thought, oh, maybe it wasn't that. And now I just haven't done it in a long time. Why don't we leave here this morning as powerhouses filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And then can you just dream with me for a moment? What will Stratford and St. Mary's and the surrounding area look like with a whole pile of people filled with the power of God to be witnesses for him and share his love and gospel. What would that look like? I don't know about you, but that's what I believe God's calling us to. And he has it for you. Let's stand together. That's your altar call. That was it. So don't leave here. Maybe I'll just say it this way. Just say it as a, I don't think I'm crazy, but we'll say it as a crazy Pentecostal. Don't leave here without speaking in tongues. Chad, I've tried a hundred times. Try 101. Because I believe you'll receive it today. Why? Because I think it's that simple. I think he wants it sane. And he always wants a supernatural. So come, come and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father, as we close this service, I pray that Lord, it's not the tongues, it's sharing your gospel. And Lord, I'm filled with your spirit and I still get nervous. So Lord, what if there's more? What is that more? And so, Lord, I pray that that little seed of what if there's more is enough to draw us to you. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill people this morning with the evidence of tongues so that, Lord, nobody has to even ask, did I receive? They know because of the evidence. And so, Father, watch over us keep us safe. Let us be a witness for you. Let us be found back here tonight for prayer again. But Lord, don't let us leave here without your gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Come, receive prayer. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.